When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's going on, my friends? It is time for another edition of Strictly Business with Eric Bischoff. I, of course, am John Alba. And my friend, Mr. Bischoff, we are reunited. It's been a few weeks since you and I have been able to sit across from one another and put on some audible chocolate for all of our listeners and viewers. But I'm very grateful to be spending some time with you today. How are you? It looks like you're on location. I am uh, I am on location on my son's deck <laughs> in Love Florida. It. And just getting on a little bit of uh, family time getting to enjoy the grandson and just hanging out nothing better than that i hear the allergies are uh, a little rough out there yeah i spent about the last four or five days every day i was out on a motorcycle just riding around enjoying the weather and forgot about <clears throat> all the allergies that exist year-round here in florida so uh, i was not so gently reminded yesterday when i woke up and my head was the size of two basketballs look like it my head looks like feels like it should be on Andre the Giant's body that's how big it feels (laughs) well I'm glad that you're feeling up to doing this show like I said love strictly business with you Eric Bischoff 83weeks.com is where you can subscribe but if you want early access and first access adfreeshows.com is the place to be you want to sign up right now you'll get early access to pretty much all the Conrad Thompson Cinematic Universe podcast plus live recordings and we are live with our top guys top gals everyone in between today and on the 83 weeks youtube as a treat as well and we've got a special episode eric bischoff before we get to that though i do want to put a quick bow tie on your episode from two weeks ago with tom deshane's last week we had a best of the business but with tom deshane i thought tom is just one of the smartest minds out there when it comes to assessing storytelling. And I wasn't even on that episode, but I listened and just loved listening to the two of you go back and forth. Is there anything else you'd like to add on Tom's assessment of the bloodline story? No, I think Tom pretty much covered it. There's, there's not much I could possibly add. He's so good. He, he not only understands traditional storytelling and literature and in the works of Shakespeare and Aristotle and, so many other of the great writers and thinkers of the past, but he's also a massive wrestling fan, as if you couldn't tell by listening to him. You know, he can go back and recall stories and characters and their evolutions and in in more detail than I think any of the people that ever even created it knew. So it's it's fascinating to listen to Tom. 
go back and listen or watch if you haven't already. It's on the 83 Weeks podcast feed, 83weeks.com, and on YouTube as well. Awesome episode. I'm sure that won't be the last time we have Tom on to discuss some stuff. But the Bloodline story is very relevant to our episode today because we are talking about the construct of a professional wrestling show and, and how you go about segmenting a show and putting it together from a production standpoint. How do you <laughs> different quarter hours? How do you stagger your show? And Eric Bischoff has a lot of experience in that. And uh, as part of our little social experiment, we had Eric watch Raw this week and watch Dynamite this week. And we'll kind of take a look uh, at how those things stacked up in addition to some of the past week's episodes we have quarterly ratings for. But before we get into the nitty gritty of these particular episodes, Eric, in a theoretical perfect world, what are the core elements of what should make up a professional wrestling program be it a two-hour program or a three-hour program okay let's start with the obvious uh, obvious would be great action or action hopefully it's great action it doesn't always have to be great sometimes it can be just mildly entertaining sometimes action in the ring can be used as a transition meaning you want to get your crowd up and at a peak it's something very dramatic and compelling going on inside side of the ring and you may want to just let them down a little bit with a match that maybe isn't quite as compelling or the stakes aren't quite as high some people can cynically refer to that as a filler type match i think of it more as a transition because i think when you produce a television show and this is what makes you know wrestling so tricky when it comes to other forms of entertainment is that you're entertaining the crowd at home. You need to hold that television audience because television is the core. It is the lifeblood of any wrestling promotion, at least currently. Um, but you've also got your live audience, which in a way, and I've talked about this many times in the past, in a way, your crowd is as much of a character in that show as the people in the ring. So you're, you, you need to manage both the live audience as well as your television audience in order to maximize the emotion, the compelling nature, hopefully, of what it is you're producing. Um, so you've got action in the ring. You've got talent narrative that can take place either inside of the ring with a microphone or backstage, or uh, something that was pre-taped, uh, either earlier in the day or earlier in the week, a, a sit-down type interview, something where you get to know the talent on a little bit more of an intimate basis. And then, of course, you've got your traditional color and play-by-play. -play. All of those in combination create a, a, a narrative that hopefully supports your story going forward and in the action in the ring. So all those elements come together and you're hoping that it creates something that entices the viewer to tune in next week in, in an ideal world here. But there's also got to be this recognition that some segments are going to draw eyes and other segments are going to lose eyes. So from your experience, how are you staggering a show in which you're recognizing you will lose some, but then 
and you're going to try to get them back at the same time. Is there I, I don't think I, I don't think ever, I ever sat down to help format a show. I didn't format them by okay. myself, but I don't think I've ever sat down and reviewed a format to give notes on it or help create a format where I anticipated losing an audience during the course of a match. So at the let very me, let me let me finish. Go ahead, please, please go ahead. At at the very least, I always hoped to maintain the audience. I had, and that too is a function of the format. So, for let me explain that a little bit. I've got a head full of Sudafed, so bear with me. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things that I think is really necessary to maintain your audience throughout the two-hour or three-hour broadcast is knowing that while you you may have some segments, your A story, for example the most important story you have, your main event, okay? You want that to draw as big of a rating as possible, but it is at the end of a two-hour show, or in the case of Raw, it's at the end of a three-hour show. So what do you do to hold that audience and build upon it to the end? Um, you have to be sure to, using narrative, one way, shape, or form, as we just discussed, Keep that story alive. Keep that story in the front of the viewer's mind. Make them feel that it's so important they cannot casually look around on their remote and see what else is on sure. or go get up and do something else. You have to hold them, and you do that by creating compelling content. You can also do that by really promoting heavily what's coming up next. So you may have a match. Uh, it's two younger talents that don't necessarily have a big story behind them or a story that you've been focused on for weeks, for example. It can be a random matchup. But during that random matchup, if you want to hold the audience that you started with, make sure, in, in addition to the narrative that that match needs, your color and play-by-play -play and, and keeping that as interesting as possible. And boy, do I have a lot to say about that after watching five <laughs> hours of wrestling. Um, you also need Need to keep reminding viewers that coming up next, this is going to happen. Coming up a little later, this is going to happen. You know, you, you have to hold that audience. And I think going into any segment with the idea that, okay, we're going to lose some audience here, I, I think is, I mean, you're, you're, it's self-defeating. You're, you're, you're starting out in a hole and you're digging deeper as you go. And, and that's what I wanted to correct. What I was insinuating there was you're, you're not going in by being like defeatist, so like, oh, we're going to lose. But I I'm also trying to take a very realistic approach that you're just not going to simply be able to keep an audience. No show is ever able to keep an audience consistently and, and rise, rise, rise the entire time. It's just, I, I, I beg to differ. I beg yeah. to differ. And what I'd like to do is on uh, next week's episode, um, unfortunately, I didn't have the time to do it. And I wish I would have. I've got a C-130 flying over. I don't know if you can hear that or not. <laughs> um, is I like to go back and look at, you know, Nitro when it was the two-hour format okay back in 96 and 97 let's look at those quarter hours because they're out there somewhere somebody's got them you just got to look a little bit but this may be my memory working me as opposed to my memory working but we always strive to end up the night hotter than we started and we were pretty consistent in doing so so and i think even on some of 
one of the most recent SmackDowns, we've seen that they've actually held the audience for two entire hours. Now, you may have a dip here or there. You're going to have some audience attrition naturally over the course of time because not everybody can sit down and watch two or, in some cases, three hours of wrestling. I'm, I'm a perfect example. I can't sit that long and watch anything. I'm going to get up and I'm going to go do something. I'm going to be checking my phone. I'm going to be checking my laptop for messages. You know, I'm doing something around the house for my wife, whatever, uh, over a three-hour window especially. Um, but the question is, do I come back and sit back down and watch it and continue to watch it? Because I'm looking forward to something that's happening next or later or in the main event. I guess that's exactly the point that I was making, that we are kind of in this modern era now where you have your phone at your disposal. You can multitask and do different things, whereas maybe in the mid to late 90s, it was not quite as layered in that sense where there weren't as many things going on to take away your distraction. And that's just also the nature of how technology has changed and maybe even attention spans, too. Um, we got some great interaction, though, Eric, before we take a deep dive into all the stuff you're talking about. Uh, from YouTube and from our ad-free show subscribers as well. Uh, this is a good one from Yeti Master. How often is it that the A story oversaturate, uh, oversaturates the show? There are cases where the announcers talk A story throughout matches and short segments peppered in. So can it be a little too much sometimes where you're hammering home that story maybe to the point where it's a little off-putting for the customer? Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean too much of a good thing isn't a good thing you know what i mean you you have to have balance and you want to make as much as you can i mean even in the case of a transition match where you're intentionally letting that crowd that live crowd take a little breather because they have to that's part of as i was talking about earlier when you have two you have two masters to serve right? You have the, the live audience is a master and your television audience is a master and you have to manage them both. And part of managing your live audience is to not try to keep them up. You know, if, if everybody's standing on their feet and chairing or throwing garbage or whatever, is it 10? You can't keep an audience at that level for two hours, right? You have to let it ebb and flow it it has you got to let them come down so that you can get them back up again they have it's energy man and you're not going to stand there and be just jammed up excited over two hours of anything but if you can manage that audience and keep ebbing and flowing but doing so in a way that builds that audience over a two-hour window or three-hour window you've won you you you've you've, you've got a winner of a show Hey guys, it's the hardcore legend Mick Foley here, and I need to call a quick timeout, a brief timeout, because I wanted to tell your listeners what I have been telling Foley is Pod listeners for a while now about all the cool things happening over on adfreeshows.com. Adfree Shows gives you early ad-free access to more than a dozen of your favorite wrestling podcasts including the snake pit with jake from the devil himself kevin sullivan to the program i'm ready to go out and i see ming coming back and all of a sudden they threw a cinder block and hit him on the shoulder from the roof he dropped to a knee but he just shook it off and came in if they had hit him in the head it would kill them david crockett joins conrad for an all-new edition of the book as they go day by day through february 1985 
With the help of Jim Crockett's original booking law, WrestleMania 1 is right around the corner, and Jim Crockett Promotions is running in Vince's own backyard. In that area, knew him, knew his reputation. It's a working class audience. Uh, they like the style of our wrestling, and you put Dusty and Backlund together, they're, you know, opposites, but they attract, and, and they make it work. This month marks the 35-year anniversary of one of the famous twin referee angle on the main event. And Ad-Free Shows members got to watch it back live alongside Earl Hebner on our latest premium watch-along event. I got to dress, I got to use uh, Andre's dressing room after all this happened. And uh, Andre just loved me. I mean, he just wanted me basically always be at ref. And Hogan loved me to death. That's just a small taste of Sam waiting for you with four levels to choose from. Four. See for yourself why ad-free shows is the best value in wrestling today. Sign up now, right now, at adfreeshows.com. Yeah. Looking for a great Mother's Day or Father's Day gift idea? I was, and I found it at Paint Your Life. With Paint Your Life, you'll get a hand-painted portrait created to fit almost any budget, and it's a great gift idea for your mother, your father, or both. You say Paint Your Life transforms your photos into a one-of-a-kind, beautiful hand-painted portrait created by professional artists. You upload anything you can imagine. You can even combine photos. You'll pick the artist, the medium. You can even customize the frame, and you can receive your painting in as little as two weeks. You can give the most meaningful gift you've ever given at PaintYourLife.com. And there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money's refunded, guaranteed. And right now is a limited time offer. Get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. To get this special offer, just text the word WEEKS to 87204. That's WEEKS to 87204. Text WEEKS to 87204. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Message and data rates may apply. See paintyourlife.com slash terms for details. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. I think having a good A story where people are so genuinely invested in seeing the outcome week to week can really help carry a pro wrestling show and, and set the standard. It doesn't always have to be, and we'll talk about it more as we kind of drill into this, but in watching Monday Night Raw this past week, I, you know, there's a couple things I think they could do so much better in, in both in, in WWE and AEW. Um, but that being said, you know, Raw opened up with the A story, right? It opened up in the ring with Becky Lynch cutting a promo. And then the drama started to ensue. You know, Act 1 was Becky Lynch. Act 2 was everybody else getting involved. And the third act was when... Um, God, I'm really, really fading on you guys. Who's, 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 Becky Lynch versus B, uh, Bailey versus Bianca Belair. Right, but they raised the stakes. Uh, but they raised the stakes for elimination. Here's, 
Pierce raised the stakes. So that opening segment, in-ring narrative segment, okay, typically they don't always work the best. People like traditionally to open up with hot action. But in this case, they not only, before we even heard from Becky Lynch, we saw the backstory. It reminded the audience of where we've been, where Becky's been and why she's here and what does she have to say? So there was continuity. There was a thread between the video of what happened previously and then segue right into Becky Lynch. It was, it was done. I won't say flawlessly, but it was done really, really well in terms of checking the box. In other words, and here's, here's my question. I can't think of one successful episodic drama that does not open up with a recap of where we are in the story. And it's not just to remind the people that didn't see that's the kind of juvenile response you get from people that don't really know anything about television. It's not to remind people. It's to tell people what's important, telling the audience what you want them to focus on, telling the audience why they should stick around for three hours. In in the case of Monday night raw, you're telling the audience what to pay attention to. And by doing so, you're setting yourself up to build to your main event exactly the way that Monday Night Raw did in exactly the way AEW didn't this past Wednesday night. That, that, that's, a, that's a great tool to use to get the audience to invest their time and get them to stick around and, and watch the main event. It, 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 to me, it's critical, but I think both AEW and WWE would be far better served to look at some of the really successful shows that are out there. Scripted shows, dramas, but they're episodic. And wrestling, you can, some people, you know, I heard somebody say, oh, I still think of wrestling as a sport. Well, good for you. Well, whatever. Um, you're, whatever. I don't, I can't imagine why people think that, you know, sport is a legitimate head-to-head competition. Wrestling is a scripted drama and it's episodic. And I think the failure on WWE's part and AEW's part, especially AEW, because for a variety of reasons, but to not take advantage of 30 or 45 or maybe even a minute, you know, I don't think it would take a minute just to highlight mm-hmm. the pivotal moments in your A story, your B story, and your C story, whatever they may be. It doesn't have to be much. Again, it's not reminding the audience so much. It's telling the audience what you want them to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Now you're in control of the audience and their remote control isn't at least not as much. Well, there's a great example of that. And we actually have a chart courtesy of Brandon Thurston's WrestleNomics, uh, which you can go check out. He does a great job charting uh, the quarterlies and breaking it down segment by segment. Uh, We have the February 3rd 
SmackDown. And I want to bring that up. I know it's not an episode of SmackDown that you were able to see in full, but it points to exactly what you just mentioned. This was the post-Royal Rumble SmackDown. So keep in mind, we're coming off Sami Zayn having his big turn on Roman Reigns here. And the show starts with a recap of the events that we saw at the Royal Rumble with Sami Zayn, R.A.'s story. And that followed by a backstage angle where uh, Roman Reigns said that Jey Uso wasn't there, but we they'd be checking in throughout the night to see if he would show up. And then he said, at the end of the night, I'm, I'm going to talk to the crowd. I'm, I'm going to speak my piece. So look right there at that breakdown. You start at 2385. It's starting the show off. Midway through the show, we revisit that. Where coming off of Cody Rhodes winning the Rumble, we know that that's going to be tied into the bloodline. So again, keeping with that A story, just a, maybe a little bit of a different angle on that A story, because we know Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes are going to be involved with one another. You peek back up again for that. And then at the end of the show, we bookend it perfectly where we're revisiting that A story. We're putting the biggest star in the show on last. And as we know, we got the payoff where Sami Zayn uh, ended up taking out Roman Reigns at the end of that. And what's remarkable, Eric, is keep in mind, this is a Friday night at 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and we see a significant rise there in viewership. Yeah, let's go back to that graphic if we could, Steve. Um, something I, I noticed there. Now, I didn't see the show, but I'm looking at this chart. If you look from 8-4, okay, so you've got Roman Reigns. We, we've got your A story kicking off the show which again kind of goes to my point of the right way to do things because you're, you're telling the audience that something big is coming up at the end and you're asking them to stick around. Okay. But you've also got uh, eight forty five to nine. You've got Charlotte in there, Cody Rhodes in there, Cody Rhodes interview. And then from nine to nine fifteen, which is the crossover. That's a vulnerable time because certain things come on at, at the head of the hour. And you can, if you haven't built a good format, you can lose audience over that crossover. Now, hopefully they come back, but in often, you know, oftentimes people just say, oh, let's see what's going on here. Let's, let, let, let's, let's explore a little bit on the remote. But if you can do a great job of holding that audience as they did here with some of the biggest names on the roster right now, Charlotte Flair, Sonia, Cody Rhodes, Bloodline. I mean, they did a great job of holding that audience during that critical crossover mm -hmm. and if you look you know they opened up with two, two what is it uh, two million three hundred eighty five thousand yep mm -hmm. okay and in the crossover at eight forty five to nine they had uh, two million four hundred and thirteen thousand and two million three hundred eighty five so in, in all for all intents and purposes Marginal. they held that audience mm -hmm. and they did it by not only putting the hottest names on the roster arguably some of them at least but they also gave you an act two for they reminded you the bloodline story is now you've act one was the opening segment act two was this nine to nine 15 crossover period. And then you have the final act in your main event again, perfect, perfect formatting for the yeah. sake of this discussion. Perfect sure. formatting. Sure. And I, I want to bring up the dynamite from last week real quick here too. Uh, the February 8th Dynamite before we dive into what we saw this week on TV because I thought there was an opportunity for them to do something very similar to that SmackDown format that we just saw, but they went a very different route, and I think as a result, you saw the consequences. If, Steve, do we have that chart there? Perfect. Okay. So 
the hottest angle, I would argue, in AEW right now is the MJF and Brian Danielson story. It's your main event story. They're leading to a big 60-minute Iron Man match at the pay-per-view. People love Brian Danielson. Okay. Uh, so they start the show off with MJF. And MJF, as you know, Eric, is one of the biggest draws that AEW has. Uh, so he starts off the show. Then I thought the perfect way to structure this was if Brian Danielson versus Roosh, which the, the uh, stipulation was if Brian Danielson won that match, he would get MJF at the pay-per-view. So there are stakes involved with the match. I thought if you maybe made that your main event, and use the middle of the show as a reminder for what is to come and the stakes of that Brian Danielson Roosh match and why you should care about it. I don't think you would see the trend that we saw here because if you're taking a look at these numbers, uh, the viewership goes up to see Brian Danielson. People love him. It's part of the A story, but then there's no incentive for them to stick around even for the acclaimed versus the guns tag team championship match, just because I don't think the guns are at that point right now where everyone's really putting all that much focus on them. And we saw a significant drop as a result i thought with a little bit of tweaking maybe similar to what you had just spoken about with that smackdown show from the week prior they could have had a little more success with this what's your take just looking at that chart there well it's hard to say looking at this chart because i didn't watch the show so you got to kind of do both mm -hmm. for me at least to have an opinion but I, th I think the bigger issue with aew is it definitely is formatting but it's lack of story structure there just, I mean, based on what I saw this morning, because I watched it, I DVR'd it, um, it's just random. There's no continuity throughout the entire show. So, I mean, yeah, they started out with MJF against a guy who he doesn't have a storyline with, at least not that I know of, and in a relatively unknown character. So, they, you, you, yeah, you've got MJF in the opening segment, but what does it matter as it relates to? Brian Danielson. It doesn't. It just doesn't. It's just MJF. Just because you put someone on in the first segment doesn't necessarily mean it's a build towards anything. And in this case, it wasn't. Um, now, again, I didn't see it. So maybe there was something more there. I'm just looking at names on a graph. Sure. Uh, Kanosuke Takeshita had been involved with Brian Danielson the week prior, and he got the endorsement from Brian Danielson and MJF yes. came. Week, though, that, see, and this is where I get, this is where I start to get hot sometimes. <laughs> you know, when, when a certain segment of the audience, the smallest segment of the audience, you know, fires back when I start being critical of lack of story or structure in AEW, what the AEW audience accepts as a story is not what I would accept as a story. Okay. It's not what Tom DeShane's would ex expect in the story. There is no structure. There is no progressive evolution of the characters or the story. It's simply angles or versions of angles or, or a weak narrative that doesn't really mean anything. It's just, I don't know, man. It's so, it's hard for me to have these discussions without sounding like I'm picking on AEW, but I tried really hard this morning to look for something positive so that I could speak to something positive. And I, I'm sorry, I just didn't see it. I saw a mishmash. I saw really bad wrestling. You know, because I, I, I haven't sat down and watched a full episode of AEW in a long time, but I kept hearing, oh, but the wrestling's better. I got news for you. 
I watched three hours of Monday Night Raw that flew by, and I watched two hours of AEW that I had to force myself to watch. And if I wouldn't have been doing this this show with you today, I wouldn't have watched it. It was painful to watch. I thought the wrestling was marginal in many cases, marginal, and that's being kind. Um, some of it was really just downright bad. And I know that there's a lot of, you know, I love watching Claudio, you know, he's a, such an amazing performer and athlete, but he's in a match that I, I don't, it was okay. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. Eh. I mean, if you're into hardcore and blood, you got your nut, but in terms of athleticism and storytelling and psychology, it's just a match. And that's the problem when you're just booking matches without a compelling story, without an evolution of a character, without getting to know or feel for those characters. All you're doing is watching guys beat the shit out of each other. That's not a story. And having two guys, you know, standing out on, uh, you know, and the, 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 uh, the guns, what's her, the gun show, the two young kids. You're talking about Billy Gunn's sons? Yeah. Well, I mean, having them come out and kind of standing on the stage while the match is going on. I I guess if that's your idea of a storyline, then have at it. It's just not compelling. It doesn't work. I will say this just as a devil's advocate. um, I had felt the last few weeks of AEW in-ring stuff was like among the best that dynamite has done in a long time but that does not necessarily equate to having that point a to point b show structure as well you can have great there was no continuity there was no fluidity it's just like they were just random matches that is my biggest complaint with aw tv is that it does feel somewhat everything kind of happens in a vacuum if you will Uh, Everything happens in its own vacuum on the show. And there can be some really interesting stuff that happens in each vacuum. But to your point, I I do think it does sometimes struggle to feel a little cohesive from that start to that finish, especially with that one graph that I just mentioned. Can can you imagine sitting? What's your favorite drama series, John? Uh, Favorite drama series? Um, Man. You know what I love? I love The Mandalorian. I think The Mandalorian is one of the best written shows in all TV. All right. Well, I, I'm not familiar with that That's one. So, I'm a Star I'll, Wars nerd. It's cool. Just, I mean, can you imagine? <laughs> Breaking Bad? No, I'm going to go back to you know the one I'm watching now, Succession. Okay. That's sure. a fairly complex story. There's a lot of characters. Their interpersonal relationships are very nuanced. There's, a, there's an A, a B, a C, a D story going on all the time. And you really have to pay attention to that show to really appreciate it. But it flows. I can't imagine watching that show if I'm watching one hour of just random scenes. Same characters. By the way, great characters, great actors and actresses. Perfect. Great director. But if you're just showing me random scenes and there's no real continuity to that to that one hour, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm I'm out. I'm gone. And I, that's the best way I can describe it. The, just the lack of continuity, the, 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 in my opinion, really poor narrative, you know, Tony Schiavone is a good friend of mine. I, 
I, I nothing but, but but respect for him and, and a lot of affection. But man, that three broad, three man broadcast team on Dynamite does absolutely nothing for the show. That narrative is just a waste of time. It, it's it, it in and of itself is random and detached from what's going on. It, it, and that, you know, announcers are such an important part of it because, you know, wrestling is a physical, you know, when you, when you go to a, when you go to Broadway and you watch a play live, right. The, that's all narrative. It's physical in a sense that you can see the actors and the actresses and the staging and there's drama there and there's body language. But for the most part, you know, stage work is a spoken word, right? It's it, it, the narrative comes in the form of dialogue. Television, whether it's a sitcom or a drama, it's a spoken word is your narrative. Well, in wrestling, much of the spoken word isn't spoken. It's, 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 it's physical. Mm-hmm. And that's why there has to be psychology. That's why there has to be an ebb and the flow. That's why there has to be a three act structure. So the emotions build over the course of a match until you get to the finish. And your announcers have to do the same thing. Your announcers have to support that narrative. But when you've got three people and not one of them is calling play by play and they all have, you know, a color commentary perspective. And none of it is really advancing story the way it should. It's, it's, it's interesting to me, that approach, because I know, you know, Jim Ross certainly believed in what I just said. Tony Schiavone was great at it, but I'm, I'm watching AEW, and to a degree, I'm, I'm, I was less than impressed with WWE's color and play-by-play. I just think we've gotten away from using the narrative that you're color commentator your play-by-play can provide we've gotten so far removed from making that a significant part of the storytelling aspect of a show that to me it's just background noise it's just it's mm-hmm. just there provides very you know taz in watching AEW this morning taz did say you know in my day or i've been in situations like this or perhaps this is what this whoever is performing in the ring is thinking and that's that's what taz should be doing but somebody should be calling play by play somebody should be threading this all together and talking about why it's even important why is what we're watching important that's the one thing you know i was i started out i was going to make notes and in in the case of watching monday night raw uh, i don't want to sound this like i'm sound like a blown smoke but i got into the show so much that I just quit making notes because making notes requires me to take myself out of the show. Right. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to, I wanted to feel the flow of it. And there was nothing really to make a lot of notes on other than, man, I think color and play by play could be so much more improved. And maybe that's just me, you know, maybe it's because of the way I came up. Maybe it's because of the, 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 the type of wrestling that I watch, but I've said this before, man, I live in a little town in Wyoming, Cody, Wyoming. There's less than 10,000 people in that town. 
I've never been to a girls basketball game. I'll likely probably go to a girls basketball game, high school basketball game, because I love listening to local radio. And there's a local guy there, sports guy that covers girls basketball. And if I'm out riding around in my truck, I turn that on and I get excited about what I'm listening to because the play-by-play, the guy that's calling play-by-play brings me into that basketball game. Even though I, I don't have anybody, I don't know anybody on the team. I don't have any friends who have kids on the team. I'm not necessarily a basketball fan, but he brings that basketball game to life vis-a-vis his ability um, as a narrator play-by-play guy but he's really telling stories and that to me is what's severely lacking in both products today and i do want to say one thing as a disclaimer because i know i'm going to come off as beating up pretty badly on AEW and this because they deserve it but also it's a little unfair to compare a go-home show (laughs) for a pay-per-view to a show that is three or four weeks out from their next pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Right. So it, it, it is a little bit unfair in that respect, but I think in terms of basic formatting, it really doesn't matter. I want to retort real quick, just on the play by play front, just kind of trying to put myself in my seat. If I can lean into my background a little bit in calling pro sports and whatnot, I, I do believe the role of a play by play guy is to serve as the point guard to, facilitate the tempo of the show flow or the game flow, whatever it may be and how the audience consumes it. And they are to serve up their color commentator where the color commentator then adds their personal background or their experience into it to help further the action that we just saw from the screen. I think Excalibur on AEW is a very good play-by-play guy in the sense of calling action. He, he reminds me almost of a hockey play-by-play guy, where it's just bang, bang, bang. He knows the moves. He's very good in that sense. What I do think, if I could be critical... Boy, I, I sure didn't hear much of it. Well, what, what I do think I could be critical is, I almost think it's so rapid fire that it gives this unintentional tempo boost to the show where it's almost moving too fast. And I feel like if I, as a consumer, had a little more time to just take in and breathe in that action a little more, that would allow for those stories to be told a little more effectively. Uh, just my take again on, on that front. Um, and, and it's, it is a hard job. I want to say that outright, whether it's WWE, AEW, MLB, NBA, calling action is a really hard thing to do. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. It's, it's how you do it. Tony Schiavone knows how to do it. Jim Ross knows how to do it. They're just not. And in, in the show that I watched uh, with Excalibur, I didn't hear that. I heard three guys doing color commentary. That's what I heard. And here's the difference between sports and your experience mm-hmm. and professional wrestling. And again, I'm going to go back. Professional wrestling is not a sport. Mm-hmm. It is a drama. It is a scripted drama. And as such, and because it's it, it, it most of the narrative between the combatants or between the principals takes place in the ring in a physical form, it is absolutely imperative that your color and play-by-play team serve as, a, as narrators sure. and help advance the story. Simply calling the action 
is not what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. It's you've got to be telling a story all the way through that two or three hour episode. And I, you know, I was disappointed in the color commentary for raw. I mean, when I say disappointed, you know, I'd give it a six on a seven, maybe on a scale of one to 10, but it could be so much better and so much more effective And WWE used to do it. They used to be great at it. Um, I don't know what happened. And maybe it's just, maybe somebody's research said it doesn't matter anymore. I don't know. Maybe there's a reason for it, but I think so much is being left on the table that it's, it's confusing to me, actually. Well, one thing I do know, Eric, is that regardless of whether you're enjoying play by play or not in a particular show, that when you queued up Monday Night Raw and you sat down for those three hours, you knew that you were at least eating real good because you had Jimmy's famous seafood delivered to you right there in Clearwater, Florida. Jimmy's famous seafood dot com is shipping Jimmy's famous seafood nationwide free over the course of two days on most orders over $125. We're talking Maryland crab cakes. We're talking soups, chowders, oysters, steaks, desserts, gluten-free items, whatever you want. They are shipping them your way, and all you got to do is use that promo code WrestleBiz, W-R-E-S-T-L-E-B-I-Z, at checkout at jimmysfamousseafood.com. When you're eating good, that helps a wrestling show move along a little quicker, doesn't it? It makes it far more enjoyable. <laughs> and a beverage to go along with it. And then you, sure. you just get a home run. Of course. Of course. Again, we're talking these crab cakes that are the best of the very best. And when you get endorsements from the likes of Bobby Flay or Guy Fieri, you know that you're going to be eating well. And you can customize your experience as well. Like the famous gift box, which includes four of the world's best colossal Maryland crab cakes, two different crab soups, crab dip, seafood seasoning, and their signature bay sauce. Or maybe if you were watching the Super Bowl, you decided to go with the tailgate bundle with two pounds of wings, a full rack of barbecue ribs, a pint of crab dip, and some crab cake mix. Uh, I am starving just thinking about this stuff right here, Eric Bischoff. Did you have any good Super Bowl eats this past weekend? Uh, No, we didn't really do much uh, for Super Bowl, you know, with a year and a half year old running around or you're not yeah he's a year and a half now running around uh commanding everybody's attention we didn't get a lot of time to do a lot of prep so we didn't we didn't cook much this week but I, you know, i'm going to tell you one thing my experience with jimmy so i ordered the uh the, the uh, crab cakes mm-hmm. this was a couple of years ago now when i first heard about jimmy's had them show up to the house and they're you know they're like patties about i don't know about that big around and maybe inch or so thick maybe a little more. And I looked at those and I go, okay, well I can eat two or three of those. So I, I cooked a bunch of them, right? We had friends over. I got through my first one and I'm thinking, there's no way because unlike crab cakes I've had in the past where there's a lot of filler in there and it can be all kinds of stuff that tastes kind of good, but it ain't crab. It ain't crab, right? Those are not as filling. But when I had Jimmy's, there's no filler in these puppies. There, there are chunks of crab the size of my thumb in these crab cakes. And they're so filling and so, so rich that uh, you just got to try it, man. I, I thought, I, and I've eaten crab cakes in some of the best restaurants in the United States. And there is nothing that comes close to Jimmy's. Nothing. And you don't even have to go to Baltimore 
to get your taste of it. Jimmy's Famous Seafood.com ships free two-day nationwide. All you got to do, promo code WrestleBiz on most orders over $125. Tell them Eric Bischoff sent you because we here at Strictly Business love Jimmy's Famous Seafood and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. Okay, let's dive more in on these particular episodes of WWE Raw and AW Dynamite. Um, Steve, can we, producer Steve, by the way, is who we're shouting out, who does a great job every single week here. Uh, can we pull up the raw graphic one more time? Because there is a difference, I would imagine, at least, maybe I'm overstepping here, but there's got to be some sort of a difference in stacking a three-hour show versus a two-hour show. And what I found to be so fascinating when looking at this graph was the gigantic increase that we saw in the Cody Rhodes and Sami Zayn segment here. And, uh, you know, tailed off a bit. But what's your assessment when you watch this show? How did you feel about the flow of it? I think almost everything tied together really well. There was a real cohesiveness to the show. It, it flowed. Everything felt connected, even if it wasn't. And that just, that's the flow of the show, the energy of the show, the ebb. And, and, and valleys, if you will, but even looking at the graphic, you know, three-hour show, what do they lose? 200,000 viewers from the opening segment? I mean, that's kind of amazing on a three-hour show. Not even that. A little over 150, 160,000 viewers from the show open to the show close on a three-hour show. That, to me, is outstanding. And another thing, going back to the Cody Sammy. Uh, promo the other thing I noticed about the show which was really obvious to me in the Cody and Sammy promo is every segment almost every segment not quite every segment almost every segment that I watched had some kind of element of anticipation built into it meaning you you weren't just watching a match you weren't just watching a promo in the back of your mind you're thinking Ooh, something could happen here. That's that spontaneity that makes live TV work. Here's an example. Perfect example. And again, with a head full of Sudafed, I'm going to probably screw this up. But the <laughs> young lady who's the announcer opens up with Corbin. And in, before Corbin can barely get a word out, she gets word, wait a minute, we've got something going on up in the ring. You remember seeing that? Mm-hmm. And then now that create what did that create to for me? Anticipation. It created well anticipation or there's a sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. Something's happening that's so important. We've got to do what we normally don't do because we normally don't do this type of thing. We normally don't open up to do a backstage segment with someone and then shut it down 15 seconds in so we can jump up into the ring because something more important is happening. That's very, very unusual. But what does that tell the viewer? Ooh, this is important. You better not leave. Oh, by the way, it was a crossover too, wasn't it? That feeling of anticipation and urgency is what I saw throughout this show. There was not a segment where I didn't feel like, well, I better pay close attention to this. You know, it it held me because I knew something could happen that I'm going to want to comment on. 
right? I'm not watching it like, you know, an average viewer. I'm watching it from the eyes of perspective of a producer. Um, and I thought that's one of the things with the exception, I think two, maybe three segments, every one of these segments had that element of surprise or, or, or anticipation, urgency built into it. And, and I, I th again, not to blow smoke, but that's how it should be done. I thought that the segment between Sami Zayn and Cody Rhodes was one of the most ballsy segments, first off, that WWE has put on sometime just because of how precious those fan reactions are to both Sami Zayn and Cody Rhodes right now in relations to this bloodline story where there's kind of a 1A and a 1B of the bloodline story with Cody and Sami, and they weave them together in a way that got a lot of people talking and you know looking at that graph if we could get it up one more time here steve i'm curious what your take on this is eric when people see on social media oh, oh man cody rhodes and Sami Zayn are, are going at it for the first time they're doing a little verbal spar here that's a really dramatic increase we see how much do you think comes from social media buzzing about something than getting people to tune in instantaneously like that I don't know. I, I, I just don't know. I don't know that anybody does. I don't know if there's ever been any real okay. um, study on that or, or research on that. I'm sure somebody has, and I don't know about it, but I don't know how accurate it is. So I, I honestly don't know. My instinct says, eh, not that much. You're either sitting down and watching or you're not. If, if you decide to skip Monday Night Raw and go outside and play with your grandson it's not like somebody's going to hit you up on your phone and go hey you're missing you know cody rose and, and sammy zane oh i'm gonna run back in the house and turn it on it's no now if if you're flipping through the channels and, and chances are you know the audience has been conditioned since nitro because i created it this this format the crossover um format was which was a big issue for nitro when it was the first two two hour show out there um that crossover was killer and it was really important um i just don't you know could somebody have been flipping around at home or just not paying attention and gotten a text or an email yeah maybe but what are we talking about in terms of real numbers mm -hmm. I, I i think i think that's one of those magical unicorns that people know that believe exist but don't know how to catch i don't know that it's true i i'll, I'll by default because i don't know i'll say to some degree Agree. That's safe, but I think anybody that places too much emphasis on that is kidding. Themselves. I guess I just wonder because you just said like this is an unadvertised segment here. Essentially, what's going on between Cody and Sammy? How do three hundred thousand plus people just decide arbitrarily they're going to tune in on, on a whim like that? It's a crossover. It's nine o'clock straight that's up. What you attribute it to okay nine o'clock straight up. Okay, people start people start looking around. At, that's why you need to hold them for the exact same reason. And I talked about earlier, that's why your crossover has to hold the audience. In this case, it increased the audience. I used to use the cruiserweights to, division to do it. I would start my crossover segment at 8.58 and make sure that I was in heated action at 9 o'clock. And it would carry me through to about 9.12, which is the majority of the quarter hour. Um, that's how I did it. But in this case, because it's Cody and Sammy, I think far more people. People were probably 
tuning in at nine o'clock. Maybe they couldn't, they don't typically watch the first hour and they pick it up in the second hour. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lenders. Woo! The five-star reviews are in, and it's confirmed. SaveWithConrad.com can save you thousands. Jimmy E. writes that we saved his family more than $1,000 a month. James S. says we saved his family more than $1,200 a month. But how much can you save? It's free to find out right now at Save With Con- Mortgage. If you've got credit card debt, or even worse, if you're in a 30-year loan, it's not a matter of if we can save you money, but a matter of how much. At Save With Conrad. Oh, you've got an extra three, 350,000 people there just because it's the nine o'clock hour. I don't think it was because of Sammy and, and Cody necessarily. I think it was because Sammy and, and Cody were in that crossover, which held them. Certainly, if those same people were, you know, tuning in at nine o'clock and saw a match that didn't have any story behind it or just a random dream match, you probably wouldn't see that bump. And that's great perspective that you offer there because that's not even initially crossing my mind there at the top. So what else stood out to you about this Raw show? Is there anything else in particular? Uh, the women were a big part of this show. They were a big focal point over the course of the show, building for both the women's uh, world championship setup at WrestleMania and the elimination chamber as well. No, I think they did a great job. I mean, the, the the main event actually grew. The last quarter of, uh, quarter hour of, of uh, Monday Night Raw actually grew from the previous quarter hour. How many times do you see that, you know, in a three-hour show? Or in AEW's case, a two-hour show? You know, I, I've, I've seen a few uh, graphs of, of AEW, but typically they lose audience throughout the entire two-hour period. I'm sure there are some exceptions to that, but I would say on a 10 shows, seven of them are going to be a gradual loss of audience from the beginning to the end. And we don't have the quarterly hours yet for dynamite this week in particular, but uh, we did have you watch it back as you alluded to earlier here. And I'm curious your assessment of it out of the gate because I, I thought it was a very interesting choice to start the show with the four on four tag match in which they did, which involved our friend Jeff Jarrett, which by the way, we should say this off the onslaught too. Uh, best wishes to the Jarrett family uh, in the aftermath of the loss of Jerry Jarrett. Uh, but it's pretty wild to see Jeff out there just killing it at the level that he is right now. And he opened up this show, which uh, to their credit, it piggybacked off the ending of, of last week's dynamite starting with something involving the acclaimed this particular week and having them that was, that, and not to interrupt you john that's rude yeah, of me ahead. but that's a you just hit on some you know that because you saw the previous week dynamite. but you didn't get a recap i got gotcha. i didn't and nobody it was not even mentioned mm-hmm. if it was it was not mentioned in a very compelling manner because i don't remember it that to me looked like a random match now hardcore aw fans will say yeah but if you'd watch the show you'd already no, that's not the point. The point is you want to build an audience. You want someone who's never watched the show before to go, hmm, I hear a lot about this show. I think I'm going to check it out. And in doing so, have an enjoyable experience. How do you do that? You make what they're watching interesting and important and compelling. And if I I guess I'm even more aghast, if that's the right word, Um, if this match was following something that had happened to 
previous week. That means it's episodic in nature. Mm -hmm. Why would you not execute it to really drive home the episodic nature of it? Why don't you tie it together? Tell us what happened. Show us what happened. Okay, you don't want to show the match? Show me stills. Show me something that makes this opening match matter. And they didn't. It has nothing to do with the talent in the ring. I think the world of Jeff Jarrett, he's having fun out there and he's doing a great job. He loves heat. He's everything you could hope for in, in a heel right now. However, that match to me was random. Why did I feel like it was random if it's coming off of something that happened last week? For God's sake, wake up. Somebody wake up Tony Khan and tell him that wrestling is episodic in nature. Please, just call him, text him. I don't care what you do. It's episodic. And now you've got something that clearly was a result of something that happened the previous week, and I didn't even know about it. That's not how you grow an audience, fans, folks. It's it was the big ending of the week before, too. It was the Empire Strikes Back ending of Dynamite last week where – the acclaim shockingly lost the tag titles to the gun club. And uh, yeah, I, I think if there was a really effective promo video building into that four on four to start the show, it, it could have been really, really well executed. And at least in letting the audience into what they are seeing here. Uh, what did you make of the threading of the a story going on in the company right now, MJF and Brian Danielson in particular? Um, yeah, I watched that because you know, you got two great talents, right? I mean, you've got, I mean, Brian Danielson, I, you know, I just think the world of him really, um, as a performer, um, everybody should know how I feel about MJF as a performer. I think he's in his own universe right now in many respects. Um, I think they did a good job. I think it would be a little too early to heat that up too much because then you've got nowhere to go with it, right? You're building towards, what is it, March 5th, I think, or March 3rd yeah, or something? Weekend, yep. So, you know, they've still got three or four weeks to go, and you've got to kind of pace yourself. You want to build episodically towards it. And I think the promo that, that Brian did was, was good. It wasn't a great promo, but it was really good, and it was believable. It it made it it made that match feel important. So I think in that sense they did they did a good job, better than adequate, based on the timing. Now next week, if you listen to Tom Deshane and talk about how storylines have to progress and build, next week it should get a little hotter. The week after that should get a little hotter. The week after that, if we're getting close to the pay per view should be red hot going into that pay-per-view. But so we'll see, but I think they did given the timing. I think they did a, I think they did a good job with it. Now, Eric, before we dive any further into dynamite, we did get a question there from Mick Mac. He said, Eric is had a green screen. Now you see the thing is Eric is on location right now. He's in Florida. He's not home. Beauty is, Eric Bischoff, this is strictly business and you're a businessman. You still got to get letters out. You got to get stuff sent. And thankfully, you are using our pals over at stamps.com. Because as we know, in 2023, we're always on the run. We're always 
companies in different places. We're doing our work out of our home offices. Well, Stamps.com lets you print your own postage and shipping labels right from your home or office, wherever you're traveling. It's ready to go in minutes so you can get back to running your business or whatever you may need it for as quickly as possible. Eric, how beneficial has Stamps.com been for you? For me, especially because of where I live, it's a 40-minute drive to the post office, a 40-minute drive home. So if I need to go buy stamps, looking at an hour and 20 minutes out of my day, and oh, man, if it's 20 degrees outside or 10 below zero in a blizzard, that makes that hour and 20 minutes feel even longer. Um, With stamps they'll come to your house yeah you can print stamps off on your own computer you can print labels off and put them on your boxes and see your packages going out but they'll come to your house and pick it up so you're not only saving a lot of money because oh by the way when you ship something once you're on board you can go and look and see who is the best service who's who's the best delivery service at what price so you're guaranteed the best pricing you can get and you do it within two minutes you log on you get get ready to ship your stuff you search and see who's going to offer you the best price pick them and off you go and like i said they'll come to your house the only thing that could be better is if like they bring a pizza (laughs) you know maybe Indian food in your case. I know you're a big fan lately of that, but well, that, they'd, have, they'd have to go a long way to find Indian food in Cody, Wyoming. They'd have to go to Billings point. or Denver. But the point is, when it comes to saving money, well, let's start with saving time because time is money, saving time, saving money and convenience. There's, there's no, there's no service better. Yeah, as Eric mentioned, you can use stamps.com to print postage wherever you do your business. All you need, computer and a printer. That's it. They'll even send you a free scale. So you have everything you need to get started. And if you need a package pickup, as Eric alluded to, you can easily schedule it just by going into your stamps.com dashboard. And we want to help you out here at Strictly Business. Set your business up for success when you get started with stamps.com today. Sign up with promo code Bischoff for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code Bischoff. A four-week trial, free postage, digital scale at www.stamps.com forward slash Bischoff. Thank you to stamps.com for sponsoring this show. Uh, This is something that I'm excited to utilize soon. And I hope that you do as well as we welcome our newest partner to Strictly Business, Stamps.com. Okay, Eric, let's continue here on the Dynamite discussion before we wrap things up on Strictly Business. Uh, There was a really interesting uh, decision to close this show with uh, the women. They have had an angle going with Dr. Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter, Soraya and Tony Storm. The two of them just recently turned heel. Uh, the women's positioning on AW Dynamite has been a pretty hot topic in discourse among wrestling fans. They usually find themselves right in the 930 slot pretty consistently every single week for the most part. Uh, but they were in the main event segment this week. Again, we don't have the numbers there. Uh, but from your standpoint as someone who does not watch every single week, how did that flow with the rest of the show? It's interesting. That's an interesting question. 
question. Go back and watch it again and just watch the crowd. Turn off the volume. Don't listen to your announcers. Don't even really pay that close of attention to the match. Pay very close attention to the audience. And there's your story. There's your answer to your question. It didn't work. That's not how you want to end a show with people sitting on their hands. Now, is it a talent issue? I don't think so. Is it a story issue or lack of compelling story? AEW fans, compelling story. Something that makes the rest of the 90% of the people that watch wrestling enjoy the product. Not what you and your fellow 10 percenters who are hardcore die in the wool AEW fans. I'm talking about the other 90% of the audience who just enjoys the product and wants to be entertained, not necessarily because there's a five-star Dave Meltzer match involved, not to suggest that this match was, but it wasn't a bad match, but there's just nothing compelling behind it. The characters weren't compelling. The story leading up to it wasn't compelling. If it would have been, the audience would have been on their feet, much like they were several times throughout the episode. They were on their feet but they were pretty much, they were pretty quiet, pretty quiet. And that's the other thing I noticed in watching this show. I think there's two, there's definitely two different audiences. I've been saying things like, you know, Tony Khan and AEW have 100% of the niche audience that likes that internet wrestling booking style, the Dave Meltzer dirt sheet booker of the year style. Okay. There is a certain segment of the audience that does enjoy that. And AEW, has 100% of those people. Now what they need to do is figure out how to get the other 90% of the audience if they want to build their show. Now, Conrad had an interesting point on 83 weeks last week or this past week. Uh, he said, look, Eric, maybe Tony doesn't feel the need to be competitive. Cool. He doesn't need the money. That's for sure. He doesn't have anybody breathing down his back, to my knowledge. Um, it's his money. Um, and he's doing what he likes to do with that. And God bless him him for being able to do that. I, I, I envy him, and, and I mean that sincerely. That would be a nice position to be in. But unless, he, unless this is just a vanity project or a hobby for him, if he actually does have to prove results, if not to his well, he doesn't have a banker, so you know whether his dad is interested or not, I, I have no idea. Uh, but I know one person who is. I know one organization who is very interested interested in whether or not there's any growth potential and that's TBS ad sales. I guarantee you, I don't, I can't say I guarantee you I'm not there, but I would find it unbelievable if the people in ad sales, presumably in New York, that's where it used to be, are going, yeah, this wrestling is getting a hundred percent of everything we ever hoped for. And we don't need to make any more money with that commercial inventory. I just don't think that conversation, conversation happens. So why Tony may not feel the need to actually compete with AEW and simply want to provide an alternative to the great storytelling that we're seeing right now in AEW by putting together internet centric matches and matchups with a lot of blood and a lot of violence and that ECW ish vibe to it. Um, maybe that's okay for Tony and maybe Tony doesn't need the money or doesn't 
doesn't care about the money, but I guarantee you at some point, maybe not next week, maybe not even for their own renewal, but at some point that beachfront property that you have Wednesday night in prime time, somebody's going to be looking at that property and wondering if they're making as much money off of it as they could. And that's when growing your audience becomes important. Don't know how I got off on that tangent. <laughs> I, I want to say, I do think that one of Paul Levesque's strongest points as a showrunner, and we can lean into his experience that he had with NXT, even which was on a much more micro scale, um, is that show to show storytelling where things play out over a period of time. And then in the actual show itself, he hits you over the head with those storytelling elements, but not in a way that's necessarily obnoxious. And I do think that is something he does very well that maybe even in recent years, Vince McMahon didn't necessarily do quite as well. And I think with dynamite, this is just my opinion here. I think with dynamite, there are so many pieces there that can make it structurally a really fantastic pro wrestling show. And from an in-ring standpoint, I, as a fan, enjoy it quite a bit. Uh, but I, I do think to your point, just, taking a step back and maybe seeing how can we connect point A to point B. Like if Ruby Soho had started that show off with even a 60 second backstage vignette, just talk about how she can't wait to get her hands on Soraya because of this and giving that backstory for maybe a lapsed audience member or someone like yourself that would have served that main event pretty substantially. Wouldn't you agree? Well, it would have made, well, that depends on Ruby and her ability to do a, a compelling promo. The, the promo that I was I was feeling really good about until the very end on AEW was uh, Renee was interviewing Wardlow. Mm -hmm. And I, I can't remember who Wardlow was talking about. It's a match he's got coming up. Uh, oh, Samoa Joe. And they did such, first of all, Renee's awesome. She's really, really good at what she does. She's like a female version of Chris Van Fleet, in my opinion. She's really good. Um, She's probably better in a long-form environment than she is in a short-form, you know, wrestling, you know, interview kind of thing. But that that promo, and I was like really excited for AEW, like really say, okay, they're getting it. This is a this is a personal issue now between Wardlow and Samoa Joe, and Wardlow talking about his father growing up and then being um, uh, estranged from him for such a big part of his life and then finally coming together, just getting to know his dad and then finding out almost sh shortly thereafter that his dad had stage four cancer and then passed away. Telling that story was such, it was so real. It was, it, I related, I, you know, most of us who are in our, in your forties and fifties. And in my case, sixties can relate to losing a parent or somebody close to us in that way. And when Wardlow talked about how he grew his hair out and that was the thing that, you know, Samoa Joe, he took it away from him, man, he had me. That's storytelling. That promo was freaking, that was a, that was a 9.8 on a scale of 10 until the last 20 or 30 seconds. And it totally disengaged me because Wardlow went from having this intimate conversation with Renee, which is, by the way, we talked about generally the different types of narrative. You know, there's a difference between a backstage promo uh, when you're catching somebody before the ring or right after the ring, or maybe you're catching them, you know, 20 minutes before they go into a match, whatever. There's a difference. Hold on. Can you hear that? Oh, we, we, you're good. I mean, right. you know, Scott Steiner's coming after you, but other than right. that, you're all right. 
right. um, and Wardlow did a fantastic job until the end. And what I was saying before the sirens interrupted me, when you're doing those sit down interviews, you're away from the arena. You're not backstage. You're not getting ready to go wrestle. You haven't just wrestled. This is something Wardlow was talking about that's going to happen in the weeks to come. And it's that intimate one-on-one vibe where you get a little bit, you get to know the talent a little bit more, right? It's not, well, coming up at the end of the segment, I'm going to kick your ass. And all of us are going to have each other's back. You know, a typical wrestling promo. We've seen like 2 million of them this year. And that, that sit down that Wardlow did with Renee was so intimate. It was kind of like, okay, now we're getting to know a little, we're getting to know something that's really, he's sharing an important part of his life. And then he cuts to a wrestling promo, including the mean face. It's like, what in the hell? Who is directing this? Who's producing this thing? Because you had me, you had me, I was invested. And then you, then you made me turn around and walk away with a typical wrestling promo. And I'd like to know who the director of that was, or in this case, probably the producer. Because somebody should say, whoa, let's do that again. Only be real. Mm-hmm. Don't be wrestler face mean guy. <laughs> be, keep it real. He went from a great, intimate, compelling, really emotional-based narrative to a backstage promo it it lost me completely and it could have been fixed so easily again it's not the talent's fault talent is green a lot of these talents haven't really worked with people that are good at that kind of thing so they haven't had a chance to learn from people like jericho and others who are you know who are just really good at it and have been good at it for so long, they probably forgot how they got good at it. They're learning on the job. And I'm, I'm, I have empathy for that. I know what that feels like. I've been there. I've done that. But that's why you have producers that know what they're doing. That's why you have a director that's there going, uh, uh-uh, close. Finished off too much like a wrestling guy. Finish off like Wardlow. And that uh, that sit down that you're referring to, it actually was with Jim Ross. Uh, Renee, oh, was that's right. I'm sorry. It was. I was uh, sorry. I was. But, but I bring that up because I think Jr. is the perfect person to have in a sit down segment like that with Wardlow. Where, truthfully, I think that's like where Jr.'s biggest strengths are today in broadcasting, doing those sorts of segments, those one on ones, in depth character sit downs. I think he thrives in that. And I think giving Wardlow something to feed off of was really well done. And and I understand your point that you're bringing up too. I, I think Jim complimented him very well in that. And helped no, him and I, I don't know why I said, Renee, I must've been thinking about another promo. She was in another segment. She mm-hmm. did. And again, she's really good, but no, it was Jim Ross. And of all people that know how to do, you know, one of those segments. Now Jim wasn't producing it, I doubt, or directing it. Um, he probably should have been my opinion, but whoever was, that should have never made air. Cause it didn't do him any good. Wardlow, he, he was right there on the finish line and the producer let him drop the ball. Very fascinating insight there. And it's maybe not something you think about right on the surface level, but if you dive a little deeper, it's, it's uh, certainly just one of those critical elements of helping build characters to get the 
the audience to care about them and want to tune in to see them wrestle next week or get that comeuppance down the line. It's all. I mean, if, if, if nothing else, I, I just I don't know why I I don't know why I care. <laughs> I really I don't well, I shouldn't you, actually you love the art at the end of the day, Eric. You do. But There's nothing wrong I, with I, that. I I just wish. I think I said it on eighty three weeks. I hope. I hope WWE looks back at this the last six months of this bloodline storyline and go, okay, how did, how did this work so well? Because there are, I mean, again, going back to Tom DeShane, there are elements within that story that you can replicate. The ideas are going to be different. The talent's going to be different, but the beats along the way can provide a template so that you can take out bloodline, insert this guy, take out this guy, insert this woman, take out this woman and insert that guy. You can replicate those formulas once you figure out what they are. You don't have to use the same ingredients every time, but the formula pretty much stays the same. The beats along the way. And I, you know, Conrad's uh, aim, 661 said, Conrad, and he did say, Conrad said, hear me out. Maybe Tony doesn't want AEW to grow. I, 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 I that is such an abstract alien thought. I can't even process it, but maybe that's true. And, Again, I'll go back to what I said earlier. Tony may not want it to grow, but I'm pretty sure the beach, the, the, the people that own that beachfront property that he's renting do are actually paying him to rent on. But at some point, growth becomes necessary because in the television business, you're either growing or you're slowly dying. I think that is the perfect point to make here as we wrap up, Eric. Because I'm slowly dying. He's <laughs> <laughs> hey this was a lot of fun i appreciate your insight on this i know all of our fans do as well again guys subscribe 83weeks.com you'll get strictly business pushed right to your device wherever you listen to your podcast or sign up at freeshows.com normally you'll get early access to that we went live today we're live pal it was a lot of fun we appreciate all your interactions anything else you'd like to add here eric no man i uh it's good to be back in the saddle again i'll be heading back to uh wyoming here on saturday and be right back into my treehouse doing what I do. So I look forward to seeing you next week. Absolutely, my friend. Thank you, everyone, to tuning in to Strictly Business with Eric Bischoff. We will see you next time. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra five to ten. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.